It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Rush Hour. Hey, Movie Maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined with my brother, Dusty. Dusty, I have a question for you. How many times on the streets of L.A. have you pulled your gun out and held somebody up like uh, James Carter did multiple times in this movie? <laughs> Honestly, you would get shot, <laughs> more than likely, or absolutely arrested. Brandishing your firearm is not something you do. And what I love the intro, you know, when I first watched the intro or watch this movie i had never really thought about it but for him to pull out his gun and shoot at a car that's driving away with c4 and it is like that's that would never ever ever happen no it wouldn't i mean he's fleeing the scene you do not start shooting without a doubt and then you're risking the rest of the city block just like his boss or his chief or whatever had told him early on you know you blew up half a city block yeah and you know as a police officer you need, and also a civilian, like anybody, anytime you fire a firearm, you need to account for wherever those bullets go. So if there's, if you miss and you, and it hits something behind that or it hits a person, you're accountable for that. And so it's, yeah, that, every time that he pulls out his gun, I was like, well, wow, man, he's just pulling out willy nilly. Yeah, he did not mind at all uh, threatening other people. And he did it quite a few times, not just to his, uh, you know, quote unquote partner in Jackie Chan, but uh, just other people on the street and stuff. Uh, I just, you know, when I saw that, that just reminded me, this movie has plenty of cliches like that. You know, cops brandishing their weapons at times when in real life they wouldn't, shooting at times that they wouldn't, you know, lots of other cliches in the movie too. Did you notice any? I Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's tons of cliches. One cliche that did not make in the movie and I was watching, you probably saw it, but um, I was watching the deleted scenes or no, like commentary, you know, like behind the scenes stuff of making this movie. And one cliche thing would be if the Chinese guy who's got really good karate skills and can beat everybody up and everything, if he's like, no, I don't want to touch a gun, you know, that would be absolutely cliche. But what actually happened was the director was spitballing and saying, what about, what about this and this scene? What about this and this scene? And it was the scene where they're inside of the Jun Tao's main place above the restaurant and, mm-hmm. you know, inside of his office. And the director is saying, well, how about like, you know, here comes the gun and, and, you know, slides it over to you and you being the karate guy say, says, oh no, I don't use guns. And then Jackie Chan real or no, he's smart. He's a, he's a, a, a really professional actor. He's like, I'm a cop. Why would a cop not want a gun? Like you have, like that's so stupid. That doesn't he, doesn't. he didn't go out. You know, he just said, "No, I'm a cop. I need the gun." That's I, I work with guns, and so I was like, "That is brilliant. Absolutely, it would be irritating if somebody if a if a cop said, "No, I don't use guns." Yes, it is. And and any movie that does that, I'm never a fan of somebody who doesn't like to use guns just because it is a gun. I mean, you got to be smart. If your enemies are using guns, you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight uh, or your flying feet or flying hands. You know, it's just not a smart thing. And you're right about that. And one thing about Jackie Chan, too, he's been making movies forever. I went to his IMDb page. He has I, I didn't count. He has over like 100 acting, you know, credits to to his to his career and everything. And and the guy is super smart. And yeah, he's been in so many cop movies. Yeah, it is idiotic for brett ratner to to make that suggestion but i like how even though like he thought oh maybe the the martial arts guy doesn't use a gun they made it so he couldn't use a gun because it kept getting knocked out of his hand so that is a smart way to get him or to force him to use his feet absolutely and i thought this movie was really really fun and now let me ask you 
watching it the first time, you hopefully can remember your experience and your thoughts and everything about the show, the movie. Now watching it, you know, many, many years later, seen it probably a couple times, two or three, four or more times. Now watching it again, after I haven't seen it in like 10 years, like, like you said, um, on the last episode, what are your thoughts now from when the first time you watched it to, to now? Uh, I still really enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much. The movie doesn't really hold up for me. It feels like a 1990s movie. A lot of the action and maybe just the overall storyline, the cliche-ness of a lot of it, uh, it felt old. So if back in the day, if I gave it like an A, now today I'm giving it a B. You know, it just doesn't hold up as much. Although it is still a fun movie. And if you like buddy cop movies, if you like cop comedy action stuff, I still recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see what you're saying. When I was watching it uh, recently, I was kind of thinking, you know, what? it's it, it's not as memorable as I or memorable by my so I'm using the same word twice memorable as I remember it to be, you know, and so as I was watching it again, I loved it. I, it was I had a lot of fun, but it wasn't as um, explosive or as as entertaining as it was the very, very first time that I watched it. But I had I laughed all the time. I really love Jackie Chan. He's a fantastic actor. I love uh, Chris Tucker. My goodness, he is probably one of my favorite um, comedians. Ne- uh, Chris Rock is right up there too. But for some reason, Chris Tucker, like just his personality and the way he comes across. I mean, you think um, Fifth Element, you think Friday and the other Friday movies. I mean, he, Chris Tucker is just a a funny, funny guy and a good actor. Like I fully believe everything about him in his movie here in Rush Hour. I feel the exact same way as you. And so that's why I'm wondering, he hasn't been in hardly any movies since the three rush hours, you know? I mean, do you know, is this a personal choice to not be in movies or are people just not casting him? That's a great question. What I think, and because I was trying to do some research, like why in the world is he not? I think it was his own doing. Like he was just wanting to get out of the business. And so he's been in a couple movies since then. Um, there was one with uh, Bradley Cooper that he was in. Uh, but yeah, he had, definitely has not been in big time roles, but it was more him pulling out. I think more doing stand-up comedy is what he wanted to do. Gotcha. That, that, that makes a lot of more, a lot more sense. And I actually, so if he is doing stand-up, I mean, a lot of stand-ups are getting specials on Netflix. I haven't seen them on Netflix. Do you know if he has a special? He absolutely does. I actually watched probably half of one. I, I, I think I got tired and I fell asleep or something, but I didn't go back and finish it. But there is one. If you just type in Chris Tucker, on, I believe it's on Netflix. You should be able to find it. I will do that tonight because Denise and I sometimes watch the stand-ups. And the most recent one we watched was Joe Coy's newest one. And it is hilarious. Have you seen it? I don't even know who Joe Coy is. Yeah, Joe Coy, he's just an uh, incredibly funny Filipino guy. He does a lot of um, like Asian racial type humor and stuff and humor about his son and humor about his family growing up with his mom. And, and he does really good impressions. And I saw him. He came to Fresno with Carlos Mencia. I don't know, 15 years ago, Denise and I went to go see him. That's our first exposure to Joe Coy. And he's been doing stand-up for a long time. And then finally, he got on the Adam Carolla show. And he was just a one-time guest for Adam Carolla. He killed it. Super funny, doing crazy impersonations. A ninja, female, traffic cop kind of stuff. Super funny stuff. And then Adam Carolla started bringing him back week after week. He would be a regular guest on the show. And then eventually that took off his stand-up career. And then he sold out in Honolulu 
gigantic um, uh, uh, coliseum, I guess, or whatever it was. He sold it out six nights in a row, two shows per night. Like, he is one of the biggest current stand-up comedians, and he's just been in the game for a long time. So I highly recommend you check out that one. I will. Okay, Joe, J-O-K-O-Y, right? That's it, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, that's something I'll definitely have to check. He says he's Filipino. Yep, yep, Filipino guy. And I'll, I'll check out the, the uh, Chris Tucker one as well. The Chris Tucker one wasn't as funny. There there were some good funny things in there, but it wasn't as I thought it would have been. Like as, um, I thought it would have laughed a little more, but it was funny. You know, I, I'd i say go into it thinking you're not going to be as, like it's not going to be rah-rah, you know, and just, <laughs> just rolling on the ground. But um, it is rather entertaining. And obviously, if it starts beginning to drag for you, just go ahead and turn it off. Like You're not going to miss anything, is my opinion. But it's definitely worth to see because he does talk about what he's been doing for the last, like, 10 years. Oh, okay. That's cool. Get a little update on his life in that one. Yes, definitely. So sweet, sweet. So uh, just thinking about the movie, what did you feel or how did you feel about the action to comedy ratio in this movie? Did this satisfy you as an action comedy? It sure did. Yeah, in my opinion, the combination of, well, the the blow it up, the car scene, that was rather fun, um, to everything when you have the interaction between the two guys and them playing off each other and having the action. I thought it definitely did. I, if, if I remember correctly, as I'm watching the movie, there wasn't any point that I was like, okay, this is dragging on. Did you feel like that at all? No, not at all. No, it didn't drag in. It's a, uh, before watching it, I took a look at the runtime. It's like an hour 37. Maybe if you take away the credits, it's an hour 30 even, which, it, you know, 90 minutes is perfect for a, a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. What's neat about, uh, I wouldn't say neat, but one little thing that I heard, the director said he really wanted to find a movie, a storyline or a script that would have um, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Like they, he really wanted to get them together in a buddy, buddy movie, like a buddy cop movie or something like that. And he said that rush hour wasn't necessarily the best script in general. Like, you know, the best one, the best story and all that sort of stuff, but it was the best for these two guys. And it worked out really well between the two. And I don't know what the other scripts were obviously, but I think the whole storyline, it was really, really fun, really, really entertaining from beginning to end. I just, I did, did love the interaction between the two the, throughout the entire movie. And then they become friends and then you get rush hour two, rush hour three, and they become really friends. The only one thing I don't like is, and obviously you get James Carter, the character being, um, you know, loud mouth, um, doing things his own way and things like that. Like in Rush Hour 3, he becomes like a beat cop all over again and he's directing traffic and stuff like that. I'm like, man, you know, they, they just really keep putting him down over and over again. But I guess he it's, he, it's self-inflicted, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like it is. And I can't recall, did they call him, did anybody he worked with call him Detective Carter at any time or was he a regular police officer in this movie? In this movie, he's definitely a detective, yeah. A detective, so they call him detective. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, getting busted down to beat cop, it is his own doing with his loud mouth, his brash ways, you know? <laughs> Blowing up a car that's C4 in it. Oh, speaking of C4, so you know the guy that played that that character, um, uh, what was his friend's name? Or the, the Chris guy's Penn. Name? Chris Penn, there you go. So Chris Penn, you know what other movie that he was in that had karate? I was hoping he'd fight Jackie Chan. Do you know what other movie he, he was in? Um, yeah, the 80s movie No Retreat, No Surrender, maybe? Oh, shoot. What was it? Was it Only the Strong? No, it was... Oh, maybe... No, it wasn't Only the Strong. We can IMDB. Was it No Retreat, No Surrender, right? Was it? Yeah, he's like an overweight... I could be wrong. Let me... I'm whipping out IMDB right now. 
Uh, yeah, so watching this movie, I, he was in oh, one with, Best of the Best. Best of the Best, that's what it was. Yes. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe how good he was in Cry. I mean, he was actually, he knew his stuff in that movie. Or it seems like he, in general, knew his stuff. In order to be able to play that character, he looked like he knew what he was doing. So I was kind of hoping he and Jackie Chan would beat it out. Yeah, yeah, but Fat Chance, man, I mean, by now, he's just kind of an overweight guy, and I think in real life, I mean, I think he's been hooked on whatever drugs and alcohol for a long time, and he actually died in 06, uh, not too long after making this movie. Oh, bummer. Yeah, what a shame, man. I've always liked him in, in various movies. Reservoir Dogs, pretty small role, but that's that's a memorable one for Chris Penn as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was definitely big in Reservoir Dogs, but yeah, I, I liked him in that, but man, it was almost like a cameo for him to be in this movie. Yeah. Oh, it totally felt like it. Yep. Maybe, uh, maybe he knew the director from prior prior movies and stuff. You know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I when he went back and when both Chris Tucker and um, uh, Jackie Chan went back to the jail and they were they were talking to him. I was like, oh, let's get it on. Let's have him fight. But they didn't. Oh well. But he was a little chubby then, so maybe he couldn't do yeah. it. So you know what was interesting to me was the little girl Sue Young that actress playing her i was kind of thinking she'd be in a lot more movies but she was only had been two movies like this one and something else like that is not really a, a notable movie yeah exactly i i clicked on her uh, whatever in julia sue is her name in imdb and you click on it it gives a little bio and she actually ended up going to uh, she graduated from usc um as a with a master of business administration so she just got out of the movies and, and just uh, got on with regular life you know yeah. Okay. So, uh, one cliche, and well, I always go back to the first time that I remember this cliche coming up. Um, what other movie? What's the very first movie? We've talked about this in the past, but I want to see if anything else jogs your memory. What is the first movie that you remember where the friend becomes the bad guy, like the trusted ally, the the number one guy that is like, hey, your best friend, but he's actually the bad guy? Is there what other movie is the first one that comes to your mind that has that storyline? Uh, man, you always ask tough questions. <laughs> um, you know, nothing, I, I know this is a cliche we've seen a million times, but no movie springs to mind right now. For me, the only one that I remember, the earliest one that I remember, um, uh, is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And the reason why that always stuck with me was when the main bad guy said, and don't trust anyone at the very beginning. And at the very end, he says, remember, I told him, don't trust anyone. And that includes me. It's like, whoa. And we were like, I don't know, <laughs> 10, 12 years old. I was like, oh, man, that yeah. got him. And so I that's remember that as well. Me. But your question to me was the best friend. In that movie, he was just somebody he met right then. Um so he wasn't a best friend that turned out to be a bad guy. And I can't think of any other movies with a best friend becoming the bad guy. Uh, well, I guess a recent movie that we watched um, uh, with The Rock called Skyscraper, his best friend when he lost his leg, uh, when they were SWAT team guys, you know, he ended up being a bad guy. But from movies from when we were kids, I'm sure there was plenty. I just can't remember off off the top of my dome. Probably like Night of the Walking Dead, probably something. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, all the, all their best friends turn into bad guys in that one. They sure do. Unwittingly, you know. So the storyline of Jackie Chan being picked up and G14 classified and having the FBI basically run him around, do you think that's something that they would actually do just in story and putting that in life now? Would that be something that they would want to do is just like, hey, let's 
number one, the consulate bringing somebody over, and number two, actually having him try to run around. Like, do you think that would play out? No, I don't think that would. I think the consulate would want to bring Lee over. Totally understandable. Put him on a plane already um, and just bring him over and expect the FBI to work with him. But I guarantee that the FBI would not do that. They have their own thing. They have all their own agents. They don't need somebody new to the country there in their way. And they would expressly tell the consul. They wouldn't try to trick anybody. They wouldn't try to hamstring them. it would not play out this way from the FBI side of things. I would completely agree with that. They're, like, don't even try to placate him or try to try to humor him at all. Just say, no, we don't do that because we have our procedures. We can't do that. And if it was opposite, we were over there, you would do the same thing. So we just can't have him anywhere be a part of it rather than just try to humor him. Exactly, man. You got to be upfront and honest and don't <laughs> because that's what led to a ton of the problems in this in this movie for the FBI and everything. The ransom went up from 50 to 70 million because they tried to just trick Jackie Chan, trick the console. And then, you know, they made mistakes because they were doing the investigation on their own. You know, how did you like the karate all throughout this movie with Jackie Chan and everybody else? I mean, Chris Tucker even got in on it some too. So that was kind of neat. Yeah, absolutely it was. I, I'd love seeing Jackie Chan. Now, I think for American audience, this is uh, many people, their first experience with Jackie Chan, unless they happen to see his prior old Chinese movies, Rush, uh, not Rush Hour, I'm sorry, um, Rumble in the Bronx Rumble or something Bronx, like that. Yeah. But for the American audience, this is pretty cool. My guess for their first time, you and I had known Jackie Chan for a long time. We saw Rumble in the Bronx and prior like Super Cop and stuff before this. But for a lot of American audiences, I bet they loved seeing Jackie Chan do his own stunts, climbing through windows, all the cool stuff that he does with furniture and and improvisational fighting and stuff. I think the audiences really love this. And for me, myself, I love this movie as well, the action stuff. Yeah, definitely. And the humor in it really helps. And Jackie Chan has a little bit of humor in it as well. Now, there were some funny things that I was like, oh, man, this just doesn't fit very well. So one big one that got me was Jackie Chan is hanging on the big pole, you know, like the big beam that's the very top. It's round and it's really hard to hold on to something like that. You can't use your fingers like you're just using your arms. And Chris Tucker looks up and says, oh, man, you just wait. Hang on there for a little bit. I was like, uh. That's just stupid. Like, why would you even have that a part of the movie? I don't, it's not funny to me, but what did you think about that? No, it, it, I felt the exact same way. I love that the solution that he found for that, but you're right. In the lead up up to it, it makes no sense. And I prefer my comedy movies. I would, I would prefer the comedy come from something that totally makes sense that would happen in the moment, not forced comedy like that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, like him, uh, Chris Tucker, uh, Carter's character jumping up and saying, everybody get out of here. There's a bomb. You know, something like that. That was funny. Like that was good. But for him to do something like that, like, man, that guy could, he's going to die. It's like, that just doesn't fit. You know, anybody would, especially somebody that you know that is going to die easily. You have seconds, literally. Why would you in it? So yeah, that just kind of took me out of the movie um, a little bit. But the the whole Jun Tao thing and having it being a, a Brit. Did you know that basically Britain had a 100 year lease on um, on that? Was it um, Hong Kong? Did you know about that? Yeah, I knew about that. It expired. I guess probably right around the time this movie was made. You know, exactly. Yeah. So I had no clue, and I really just learned about this. I don't know last year or so, but. Yeah, they had an entire year lease on that. So Britain was heavily, 
basically they they owned it like in a sense even or they were leasing it from from China but then after that lease was up China took it back and so yes you had a British guy and I didn't know any of that history I mean they tried to explain it but it completely went over my head and so that's what's really interesting you had a British guy that was really collecting and he was a bad guy yeah obviously but he was really heavily a part of everything in Hong Kong and everything um, Chinese and everything obviously loves the culture and everything but being the bad guy and then everything got switched over back to the Chinese government. So he's kind of being either being pushed out or they're being found out and all that sort of stuff. So I just thought that was really interesting because I learned about this after and I was like, Hey, that reminds me of rush hour. Oh wait, that's exactly what happened. In rush hour. <laughs> totally, man. That's, that's cool. I haven't actually learned any of that uh, further. I haven't looked into that any further. So I bet there are, or, or I bet there were some um, uh, big mafia guys like that, not just Chinese, you know, triads and stuff in Hong Kong. But I bet you there were some English guys just like Jun Tao. Yeah. Uh, one scene that I really liked was when he broke into his cousin's um, uh, like den, you know, poker den, like bad guy den. I thought that scene was rather funny. He's playing like he's a bad cop and, you know, waving his gun around, which I was like, dude, this is so funny. And then getting Jackie Chan out of the room so he could talk to him and stuff like that. And then pulling the gun back out and Jackie Chan fighting inside the pool hall, all that. So I, I think that was my favorite. Obviously, I really like all the scenes. I mean, it's a really good movie, but that was probably my favorite uh, I guess play between you know Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan fighting, then breaking back in. I like that one the most. What was your favorite scene? I enjoyed that one very much as well. What kind of surprised me is there's all this fighting, pool sticks breaking, glasses breaking, and they don't come out and open the door to see what's going on out there. You know, it's soundproof apparently. Apparently, yeah, they do some I shady stuff is, back uh, there. <laughs> they want to do their business in privacy back there. Yeah. Um, my favorite scene. Uh, I always love seeing Sue Young singing in the car. I. This, she's so adorable. I always have fun and I laugh at that scene, a big smile on my face. But I also like their heart to heart while he's eating the eel and Jackie Chan is eating the camel's hump and they have a heart to heart talking about their daddy and it turns into my daddy can beat up your daddy, you know, <laughs> one, one upping each other. I like that whole, just the, just the interaction, like you were saying earlier, between Chan and Tucker. They are great together. I, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. My daddy go beat you up, your daddy, your daddy. And then one, one guy, um, the, uh, I'm going to say a, a bad word or a somewhat bad word, but the uh, restaurant order is saying, I'm a punk bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was good stuff too. That that same exact scene. Um, uh, you're right. I really, really enjoy. I think Su Young singing is just so adorable. You're right. She's just so adorable. And she play, does it so well. Like not the singing wise, but like plays it out so well. But I love watching the two guys in the front having to endure that. That is just funny as well. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, they work for the console. It's console's daughter. They're not going to tell her to be quiet or anything. You know, you just exactly. you have to endure that. You're right. <laughs> so and oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So what that brought me to her being actually kidnapped. What's really interesting is they the one cop is funneling everybody a certain direction, and then they get one car gets funneled the opposite direction. How did that play in your brain? Like, is that um, something that's normal, foreseeable, or okay? Or was that something that was like, oh man, that's just kind of weird. They should have done it a different way. Yeah, I think they could have found a better way to do that um, because it did seem kind of weird if I were driving that car. I guess maybe I would think, oh, the cop's going to now, because there's so much traffic that way, he's going to send me and everyone else behind me this other direction, you know? But then as soon as he just sends me alone, I look in the rear view, there's nobody following me. Uh, I think my head would be on a swivel because you, you can imagine those guys 
there's some kind of security, right? They're bodyguards for the daughter. They should always be thinking about looking around corners, game planning, seeing what could be, you know, what is hinky in this situation? What am I getting myself into? So it seemed like it could have been done better uh, on the bad guy's part. Exactly. I thought the exact same thing because as soon as you just have one car going that way, it's just like, whoa, that's not good. And then the other cop car pulling it, like literally stopping him right in front. That's another was like, this is kind of interesting. But then again, you know, when you have somebody that's dressed as a cop, it's it's something that you're like, oh, man, I don't want to obviously have cops mad at me. And so I, I can kind of see that obviously being dressed as a cop. It makes it a little more easy for them to play along with it. But yeah, as soon as you see, hey, I got the console's daughter inside here, it's a really big deal. Um, you should be much more on your guard. And they weren't on their guard at all. No, no, they weren't. And the, the, uh, another issue that might be, he might those might be security guys that he brought from Hong Kong. So maybe they're just kind of out of their element. They don't understand American ways. Maybe they think that this is a usual kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Hey, how did Jackie Chan take off the steering wheel from the car? Oh, I guess I guess uh, Carter right behind his seat has a little toolkit to, for maintenance on his car, and he whipped out the pliers, you know? <laughs> God, that taken off. I thought that was rather funny. And th- before that was them running around the city and Jackie Chan trying to get away from him, getting on the bus and, you know, hanging on from the light pole and jumping down and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was really rather fun. And what was really neat, you could see... Jackie Chan's character kind of giving up because Carter is just relentless. Like everything he does, he does. Um, Carter's just right behind him, you know, and, mm-hmm. and catching up to him. So I thought that was rather fun. It was fun. And, and of course, Carter keeps whipping out his gun on Jackie Chan <laughs> in the streets of L.A. for no good reason. <laughs> and and actually poses for, for pictures at one time. Exactly. Posing for pictures. Hey, wait, wait. Let me do this. <laughs> that's, like, that's, yep. that's funny. I like that. Um, You were talking about, you know, we both mentioned some cliches. Another cliche is that the lead henchman... Uh, uh, you know, with the blonde hair, he's clearly recognizable along among all the other baddies, right? You think about every James Bond movie or most movies with a henchman. He's got blonde hair. He's got some kind of facial disfigurement. He's super large, like Jaws, right? Like they have they have to figure out a way to set him apart from all the other bad guys. They sure do. Yep, and they did that same thing here with Ken Leung, and it was almost going to be my Monday morning quarterback. But like, if you're a bad guy. You don't want to be noticed and spotted and, you know, popular perception, a stereotype is that all Asians look alike, right? Why would you, why would you not try to blend in? Why would you set yourself apart with (laughs) blonde hair? Like in real life makes no sense. You want to look like everybody else so that less chance of you getting caught. Absolutely. You don't want to get caught. So you want to blend in. Like you're no other American is going to say, Hey, that, that's, that's him. Like you put him in a lineup, some guys that look the same, like, I don't know. They all look the same to me, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So my Monday morning quarterback goes into my first lesson, but I'll just tell you my Monday morning quarterback. The Monday morning quarterback should have been Jackie Chan at the very, very beginning when he's going to try to bust June Tao or, you know, get all that stuff. They got all the, all the stuff, all the, um, priceless artifacts and stuff like that. They got all that, but they lost, um, who was, was the main guy's bad, uh, not June Tao, the, um, uh, Sang. So Sang got away. And the reason why he got away was backup was literally like five blocks away. Like, why in the world does backup take up so long to get there? Like he said, okay, I'm in. And then literally it takes up five minutes to eventually show up. I was like, oh, you got to be closer than that. You got to be able to jump on it right away. Without a doubt. They need to be uh, just in the next dock over hiding behind some freaking, uh, what are those called? Shipping containers, you know? Yep. So that's my Monday morning quarterback. If they would have got him then, would have stopped just about everything. Absolutely. I like that one. Um, My Monday morning quarterback is Sang's 
whole idea um, about staying on the phone too long. So when they, when they first called in and demanded the $50 million ransom, ransom, he obviously stayed on the phone too long to get the cops and the FBI to go to that building just to blow them up? I mean, you want the money, just set up the drop. You know that he loves his daughter. He's going to pay for his daughter. You don't need to show them that you're serious, right? Now, you just killed FBI agents. Now they're going to be even more ticked off, more wanting to find you, rather than just kidnapping the girl and then returning her safely after you get your $50 million. So it's a stupid move blowing up cops. I didn't see the point. I mean, is that just to prove that you're serious? I mean, is that really all that it was? They never said what it was, but that's that's just my, me putting logic behind Sang's plan, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, you also get Jackie Chan trying to help them understand, hey, this is the wrong thing to do. Don't go in there. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it didn't, it, it was interesting seeing obviously the building blowing up and you see them chasing Sang and all that good stuff. And it gives them the clue of, of finding Sang and about the bombs and stuff. But yeah, it, it was rather weird. Like, why would you even bother doing that? Yeah, exactly. I think it's just another cliche, like you had mentioned earlier, explosion out of the back of the car. Cop movies, action movies need those explosions. This was a second way they can fit an explosion in. Yeah. The only other thing is to show them, hey, we're serious. Like, we're absolutely serious. If you if you do anything, like, we're going to either kill the kid or blow something up or whatever. So that's the only other thing I could think of. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, another, another cliche is most of the time in, in movies, bad guys you know they're bad for a reason they don't care about the world and stuff but sometimes in movies when you show the bad guy the picture of the little girl or the family that's in danger they decide to change their mind and help you out you know they're not they're no longer interested in preserving their own life now they're going to help you because this little girl's in danger (laughs) yeah yeah all right so my again this for my first lesson it goes with the backup being so far away like move in means you should be close enough to help out right away like literally i mean i've seen plenty of movies before so i know how it's done i'm a professional now so you should be really really close like jump right out of the van and you're already grabbing somebody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely i love that that's really good lesson yeah for sure, 100%, because that kind of thing happens way too much in movies where you just leave yourself open to uh, potential mistakes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool beans. My first lesson came from the dining not the dining, the diner scene at the very beginning, Carter pulls up, you know, he's supposed to be an undercover detective, right? Uh, And you're meeting with the criminal type. There's no way he's going to want to do business out in front on the street of a diner. It doesn't make any, any sense. You've got to make him comfortable. Do your business, not out in the open. Um, Or so basically the lesson is don't do your business out in the open, right? You're undercover, act like it, get him in a place where you can bust him for something, but out of danger of other, other people spotting you or potentially hurting other people definitely and he knew that he was going to be buying c4 like he wouldn't be doing that unless he knew there was c4 so that's a huge danger to the people around you so if that happens you know it's like we, let's make sure we get as few casualties as possible so let's try to get out away from everybody else yeah 100 percent. all right so my second lesson it was when chris tucker um, Agent Carter or uh, Detective Carter was inside of the upstairs office for June Tao. He is on the ground saying does the um, uh, basically tells him to kill him. And he puts his finger and runs it over his throat like he's going to kill him. And Carter is funny. He's all, oh, no, man, he, make, he means cut me loose. <laughs> That's what he means. But that reminded me of another movie. What other movie does that remind you of? 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Finger to the throat means death. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I know what that means. I already learned that lesson. Finger to the throat means death. And so that's my second lesson. I'm not like if I was one of the henchmen and when Carter says, hey, no, he means cut me loose. Like, no, I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I know this means finger to the throat means death. And this is exactly what's going on right now. Yep, that is exactly right. Good call there. Uh, My second lesson is don't assume that the foreigners cannot speak your language. And I've seen this in other movies before. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, you know, you're speaking your language. You think the foreigner can't understand you. So you start saying things that you shouldn't say. Maybe make an ass out of yourself, whatever it is. And then you find out that they learn. And now, you know, you feel stupid for making those assumptions. So don't assume they can't speak. They could just be faking it to uh, uh, pull one over on you to get information out of you that you're unwittingly giving them. That's awesome. I completely agree with that. And what's funny is you get people that when they're in like a restaurant and they're talking a different language that most people won't know. I don't know what they're saying because I only speak English. But, you know, I'd be like interested to see who else knows that language can actually you can listen to them because they might be speaking because obviously they could speak English. I know they could speak English. I'm hearing them talk to the waiters and stuff like that. But then they talk in their own language. You know, remember they're saying, hey, look at that idiot over there eating that. You know, I can't believe they're doing that or, you know, talking bad about somebody. I wish... I had I learned a second language. Like I wish we learned Japanese when we were young. Like our dad would have taught us Japanese. That would have been awesome. So I guess one lesson for me is to teach my kids another language, even though I don't know another, know another language. So we're playing Chinese movies, keep it in in uh, Chinese. We're playing Spanish movies or you know movies, playing the the subtitles in English, but having the um, actual words the voice being in Spanish. So we do that, but it's not going to help, but it's just fun to try to, <laughs> Hey, you got to learn Spanish. Let's watch a Spanish or a movie in Spanish. Yeah. I guess maybe they'll pick up a few key words every now and then um, by doing it that way. But Hey, you could always hire a full-time nanny and just teach them to speak uh, whatever language to the kids. That's a good idea. And it kind of reminded me of booty call. Remember booty call the movie with Jamie Foxx? Of course. That is his by far best movie he's ever done. I, <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's fantastic in booty call. But anyways, that's how he learned Chinese was watching Kung Fu movies with his dad. And I was like, I got to be doing that. With my kids. That's right. I remember that he learned on Sunday, Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon matinee Chinese Kung Fu movies, huh? Exactly. (laughs) How funny is that? But yeah, you're right. Not, not assuming any, or obviously not assuming anything in general, I think is a great lesson. But then also not assuming if somebody doesn't know your language. That's, that's really smart. But at the very end, when you get Carter saying, oh, you know, he says, uh, Nishishi, Nihame. And so you go, I didn't know you speak Chinese, but they left it at that. Like he didn't try to say anything more because, you know, Carter or Chris Tucker literally can't. And so they had to stop it there. Oh, yeah. If you watch the uh, outtakes, you know, uh, like one minute into the credits or something, you get some funny scenes. And yeah, he obviously cannot even say just a few words. Seriously, like Nishishi. I mean, how hard is that? That's there's Ni and then Shishi. Like, that's all you need to do for that first. Thank you. Well, he kept screwing up Chelsea Clinton over and over Chelsea again. Chelsea Clinton too. and then uh, Gefilte Fish. Uh, it's just so funny. Yep. <laughs> Oh, he's good, man. He He's great. I, I do want to see him in more stuff for sure. And, oh, speaking of more stuff, I don't know that they've officially announced it, but if you go to IMDb, a Rush Hour 4 has been quote-unquote announced. So it no would way. be cool if they do come out with a fourth one someday. That would be cool. No, I didn't see that. I'll have to look into that. That'd be neat. I, just another sequel that I, I, I'm looking forward to is Bill and Ted's. You know, Bill and Ted's might be coming out. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun, too. 
uh, without a doubt. And um, I took a look, you know, I was doing some other rush hour research, Googleizing stuff, and they had mentioned at one time a possible female version of rush hour. It was in the works maybe, or people were spitballing it, but I don't know where they're currently at with that. And I'm not a fan of gender swapping anything. Like I don't want to, I, I don't want rush hour to now suddenly be re-released, same basic story and now females, but just like the same thing. I don't want to see uh, uh, fried green tomatoes now with an all male cast. You know I mean? If you have a good, good idea, all female, all male, I don't give a crap. Just, just make it, but we don't need to recreate things and gender swap in order just to try to make money because I guarantee they do that. They're not making it because it's a good story. They just want to make money and cash in more on the rush hour name, you know? Well, yeah, just like Ghostbusters having yep. Ghostbusters come out as women in it. I was like, I didn't watch it. I'm like, I'm not going to watch it because it's, 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 I don't know. I just don't, I just don't like that when they're trying to take something and changing it. But like you said, they don't have any, I don't know, like you said, or, or Thelma and Louise and make it men. Like, let's just do it just because this is Thelma and Louise, the men version. You know, it's like, why do they do it? And I just, just come up with a whole brand new story. Why do you do that? You're trying to get, uh, make, get another pay, a second payday, um, out of the same movie. But, uh, so I'm not into that. But one thing that I do like, uh, another remake that was really good is I've been watching the, um, uh, Cobra Kai on YouTube Red. Have you been watching that? No, I haven't. I hear really good things though. It's very, very entertaining. This, the season ending episode was rather rough to watch and I was, I won't say anything about it, but it was like, oh man, that's just, that's a little too much. But, um, the whole story was really fun and it really shows like the main bad guy now, like the, the Johnny Lawrence of like the kid, Johnny Lawrence, who's the kid now. Johnny Lawrence is obviously the coach now, but that's sensei. But anyways, the new kid that his, his star pupil, he was a good kid, then became bad only through series of circumstances that made him seem bad. He was anyways, and it it really played back to Johnny Lawrence the same type of things because we never hear Johnny Lawrence's side of the story. We only hear uh, Daniel Larusso's, and so it's really neat seeing how like it, they show how Johnny was good but became bad because of the situation. And you have um, the Cobra Kai um, uh, crease being a, you know, he's a, he's a real piece of work himself. But anyways, all that to say, it's really fun to watch um, remakes that are using the same characters. So I'm really hoping with Rush Hour, they get Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely watch that. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I, I think that's the plan. We'll see. We'll see what comes of that. I'm looking forward sometime in the future, you know, um, yep. but a third lesson, I did not come up with a third lesson. Did you? Nope. Okay. No, I did so not. two lessons each this time. That's fine. Yes. There we go. Cool beans. So, oh, um, what is your prop from this movie? My prop, I think the, um, t- uh, no, that one's too big. So I was thinking the vest. You're going to say Carter's car? Carter's car would be fantastic. You know what? <laughs> that, was it a, I can't remember what type. Is it a spider or? Anyways. I don't know what it is, man, but it screams, look at me and everything Carter wears and does and the way he speaks and what he drives. He wants attention. Yeah. He was a single so- kid growing up, man. <laughs> so there's two things. One, I thought of the the vest, the bomb vest that Su Young was wearing. I was thought about that. Um, but I was like, no, that's just way too big. It's kind of obscure. You, you like, oh, you have to explain it. The other thing was the, um, the bomb exploding device, you know, the little contraption that looked kind of weird, like a, like an ice pick. I was thinking that, but then I thought, you know what, you know what the, probably the most iconic thing that would probably fit well, I would like is the necklace that the little girl that Jackie Chan gave it a little girl. And then fast forward to the very end, she finally gets it back. 
Yeah, I that was my exact same choice right there, the necklace. Choice number two would have been, I don't know what kind of gun it was, but Carter's silver-plated or just shiny silver gun looked pretty sweet. Yeah, it was it was a honker, a big honker. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so that would be my second choice, but I agree with you. The necklace is a pretty good one. And I don't know, I can't, I can't remember, did he say what the necklace said? Like, what that symbol, what it meant? No, at least I don't remember him saying yeah. that. Not nah, me either. Yeah, but whatever it means, I mean, that would be a cool necklace to hang up on the wall for sure. Sweet. So uh, let me see here. Oh, and um, uh, one of the things I really, I, I always laugh out loud when I hear Carter say, um, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? It's just <laughs> one of those super quotable lines from this movie, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think in part two, I think he says that, or Jackie Chan says that to, oh no, was it in this one? Where he said, man, no, don't nobody know the words coming out of your mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. I think that was in this one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. But one of those, you know, back in the 90s, maybe I, I don't think movies do it so much anymore. A lot of 90s movies kind of not relied, but they really featured uh, a lot of quotable lines from movies, especially like you think Martin Lawrence movies or even like Lethal Weapon where I'm getting too old for the shit. You know, I mean, they have some quotable lines in those movies. Nowadays, I don't think they try to fit lines in like that. Yeah, it either that or they're, they're not forcing it. You know, they're yeah. not trying to do that. Yeah, and because I think it was... Um, reminded me of Bowfinger, what you just said, where Bowfinger, you know, the actor trying, hey, where's my Asta La Vista, baby? You know, it's gotcha suckers. <laughs> that's his quote. And so, yeah, it seems like that's kind of died out, or at least I haven't seen that at all. Absolutely. So uh, before we close this puppy out, anything we failed to mention about Rush Hour? No, that's that's good for me. Okay, sweet, man. Me too. I'm in the same uh, same as you. So let me see here. This was your choice, and you chose it because, you know, coming out later this week is Stuber, another action uh, buddy cop kind of movie thing. And so that is going to be my choice. So I definitely want to watch Stuber. Watch and learn from Stuber for next week. How's that awesome. sound? Awesome. Let's do it. Cool beans. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And of course, you know how we feel. Oh, Dusty, I didn't ask you. I gave this movie now a B. What is your grade for Rush Hour? I give it a B plus. Okay, sweet. But back in the day in 98, you would have probably given it an A? Yeah, the first time I watched it is definitely an A. Um, B- Obviously, being older, seeing other movies and 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 the nuance of it being older, um, it, it was as right now. B plus, but gotcha. if I sum everything from when I first watched, it was an A, but yeah, it just knocked down just a little bit in my mind, but it's just because I've seen it um, a f- quite a few times and then it's been older. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man, for sure. So of course, you know how we feel about the movie. And so we would want to hear your thoughts. Of course, your thoughts on how you felt about the movie. Maybe you watched it back in the day. You watched it again now and your opinion is different. We want to hear that as well as any life lessons you took away from the movie. So go to watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 56 and leave a comment. All righty, then uh, my name was Sky, And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Stuber. Stuber.